Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, truth seekers. Glad to have y'all back in the saddle with us one more time because I have on a very special guest. Eli Marcus, thank you, King, for coming back with us. If you ever heard this King on the show when we did the show on toxic masculinity, you know that you're in for a treat. If you're not familiar with him, I'll say it again. You are in for a treat. Thank you, King, for being with us. If you will, say hello to all the truth seekers and give a little bit of your background. Greetings, sir. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. My name is Eli Marcus. I'm a writer. I'm in the tech industry. Very passionate about uh, social and political issues towards the advancement of uh, people of African descent. Uh, And I definitely appreciate my dear brother here for inviting me on the show and inviting me to the in-person dialogue that he has as well. Uh, Absolutely. So, yes, for regular listeners, y'all know this is our third Saturday's conversation with smart people and Eli qualifies as that, and again, you will find out if, if it's your first time hearing from this king, and um, actually, like, actually last night, just to mention it, again, thank you for being in support of the Mental Dialogue Live experience that we do at Urban Grind, a black-owned coffee shop here in Atlanta. We had an excellent one last night. We, we introduced the, the people that came out to the idea of investing, so you know, we talked about the stock market, real estate investing, and marriage too well. So it was pretty insightful, and uh, you know, kind of hate you know you missed out, King. But thank you for you know supporting in the past. If I can just mention that uh, very briefly, um, but a lot going on, you know, obviously out here. But one thing about you um, that I think makes you unique, in my personal opinion, is of all the things that are you know, in a sense that are going on in America or black America, specifically, as you say, the advancement of African-Americans. One thing about you is you have, in my opinion, a very unique ability to focus on things that matter and not get caught up in, in a sense, everything that's going on. Sometimes you might, in a sense, well, I know this brother from, again, I've been able to bring him on the show, but I follow him on Facebook, and he literally writes these prolific statements that just really kind of lay down the law on one, not only his focus, but sometimes what we as African-Americans, I guess in your opinion or in his opinion, um, should be focused on. And again, I think it's very unique. So if you will, King, I want to just kind of start there before we go to our first break is 
you know, is how are you able to, in a sense, decipher through what matters and what doesn't? Because, again, I would also, and I think you might agree with this, as African-Americans, and as Americans in general, but specifically for our community and our advancement, distraction is an issue, and you seem not to have that issue. So we will kind of just speak to your ability to, to do that, if you will. If you will. I think it, it can be defined in two words, my brother, and that's black tribalism. Um, so often we get caught up in our community. We say the words we when we describe some, some of the most horrific social and political issues that are facing people. If people would just focus on their individual household and what I call their specific tribe, you can rid your consciousness of a bunch of filth and the burden of drama that ain't got nothing to do with you. As long as your personal economy and your tribal economy is thriving, that's how you assist, uh, quote-unquote, black people or the black community is by focusing on your home. If individuals just focus on their home, their tribe, uh, without including the drama, the deficit, the debt, the traumatic life experiences of other people simply because we share the, skin, the same skin tone. I can't overwhelm myself with another man's problems, um, and I can't activate salvation for my wife and my children and my mother and my daughter if I'm overwhelmed with another man's issues just because we share the same skin tone. I have to believe myself to be valuable enough to experience salvation on earth because of my good deeds and the good deeds of my ancestors. Yeah, it's definitely a, a focus that, I, again, as I follow you, I can tell you that I feel like I learn from um, as I as I see you, you know, with that focus, because um, I can tell you in a sense, and, then, and you know, I don't know if you've had a chance to go on MissDialogue.com, uh, but, you know, when I talk about, in a sense, what our mission is, um, to raise awareness and reunite the commitment to excellence in the black conscience. I think that's something in a sense that you could agree with, um, but I can also tell you that even in doing so and wanting to do that, I, in a sense, I do think of the larger community. You may not be thinking any different than I'm thinking. I don't know if we can dig into that, um, but I will say it has been from a focus of, in a sense, everyone else. And, and I think I feel like, you know, just from following you and some others, I'm, I'm learning this kind of, and I'll say even late in life, in the sense that, um, you know, you're definitely, obviously, a believer and get yourself straight before you have to help everyone else. And I can admit that that's not always been my focus. So, you know, compared to, in a sense, how you see things, um, I'll, I'll even offer that in watching you that I, in a sense, missed the boat, admittedly, in that area. Um, again, the mission is thinking of how can we uplift the community. So that's something that is near and dear to my heart. Um, but you know what I mean? So that, I, you know, I still will admit to that, uh, but maybe I even need to figure out how I might go about that, you know. But at this point with the platform, it's out there for everybody to take advantage of, which is what I obviously want to happen to people who better themselves. So, again, it is a focus yes, of mine. Um, but, you know, but in me saying that, um, do you see maybe some nuance or maybe why even in your opinion where I don't necessarily – Maybe you would you would look at how to do that differently from your perspective. Again, it's just me, you know, just having a conversation with you to kind of see how you look at what you've noticed in the time that you've been around our community. Yes, sir. Well, you know, uh, just like you, I've been black all my life, and there was a period in my life where I was um, extremely passionate about uh, the, the general community, and I'm still very passionate about the issues in the general community, and I would. I would protest, I would fight, I would stand on behalf of my brothers and sisters going through different things. Um, but at some point you get exhausted. And you have to be aware, you have to have the awareness that we are indeed in a civil war. 
we're in a civil war. To ignore that, um, you're really making yourself, not you specifically, but you're making yourself a human sacrifice to ignore the fact that the black community is at a civil war. There are different groups fighting for the throne uh, to control the narrative of the black community. Once you come to that awareness, you can really understand why it's so important to focus in on your tribe, your tribe's values, your tribe's work ethic, your tribe's ability to get to the bag, a.k.a. to get the wealth and to get the power, uh, because we're at a civil war. In this civil war, there are different groups with different values. In this civil war, brother, no matter what you do for the black community, no matter what your contribution is, there's always, there's always going to be some, some no good hood rat, some no good ignorant black member of the black intelligentsia who's going to call you toxic masculinity for whatever reason. I mean, we all know there's, there's like a thousand rules of what qualifies you to be toxic and masculine. Uh, so why would you contribute to a culture, to a community that will cast dirt on your name and on your efforts over politics? So that's what makes me even double down even harder and say, you know what, I'm about my people. And, and when I say my people, I don't just mean my family. I mean people who share the same values as me, who share the same principles as mm -hmm. me, people who believe in the, uh, the type of uh, uh, roles that I believe in that's decent for a family, that's decent for raising children. Um, those are my people. Uh, niggas are not my people. People who, are, who have adopted this uh, criminalization of black men or black women or children, they are not my people. They look like me. But there, there's something else. We're at a civil war, and I am here to conquer them by any means necessary. Hey, again, fair perspective. Got a couple of questions for you coming out of our first initial break, but thank you, King, for you know laying it out there. This morning's conversation with smart people, Eli Marcus, writer, prolific thinker of black excellence. We continue this conversation. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people, first I will guest, Eli Marcus, writer, thinker of black excellence on the line with us. appreciate you being with us, King. My first thought is speaking of your writing abilities. Again, as I said before the break, and tell people who are listening that I love following you on Facebook. Quite often, you put some of the most prolific posts that I turn around and share on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page because they absolutely are worthy of, in a sense, the intellectual consciousness that we are 
constantly focus on the idea of excellence that we push for our community. So I'm often sharing your writing on the Mr. Dialogue Facebook page. One thing that it seems to be a constant, and again, this is just me as a fan, per se, of someone reading your writing, one thing that seems to be an extreme constant is uh, an idea that you seem to be extremely focused on excellence. Um, you know, I look at it when you're offering these writing writings. It's kind of an offering to share with others to say, "Hey, have you thought about this?" That's kind of how I read your writing when I see it. And every time I'm like, "Hey, I never thought about that," or "Wow, then I'm, I'm, yeah." I'll even say when I just from reading your writing hard enough, I'm like, "Hey, I'm doing something, but I'm not doing enough." Look what this brother had to say. So it seems to be again a backdrop to everything that you write is this, this sense of excellence of expectations that you have for, as you say, your tribe. If you could speak to that, King, I would love to, you know, understand is that kind of what drives you to write the way that you do? Uh, absolutely. When you think about um, your tribe, when you as an individual think about creating a tribe, uh, marrying a black woman or whoever you decide to marry, having children, when you think about connecting with other brothers, actually, you already have a tribe, brother. You have a thriving tribe of, of black, brilliant people. I've been to so many of your events. And you have the most smartest people in Atlanta in one room having a discussion and having, a, you know, mental dialogue, the name of your, your brand. That's, that's what a tribe is. Hey, we have the same principle. We have the same goals. We're going the same direction. Uh, we're establishing an economy amongst each other. You have business people in your tribe that do business with each other. You bring consumers to the table that do business with each other. So you are an excellent example of what it means to have a tribe. And I'm sure that in building your tribe and establishing this and to see the economy um, in your tribe, you have a sense of pride and a sense of I'm doing something right. You're walking in your kingship because of that. Now, if you just home in on what you've established in your tribe and the economy that you've established in your tribe and you disconnect from the general population of the black community, which have a whole bunch of other stuff going on, you can really activate your godship. Because there's so much guilt and trauma in the general population of the black community. We have members in the black community that, know, that are no good. They know they're no good, but they rely on hardworking brothers and sisters like you. They rely on your efforts to shield them from their sin. I said we undo the veil, rip that skirt off of them, show them for what they are, and separate from them. Let them, let them take responsibility for their own actions. Now, granted. I believe the vast majority of black people are healthy, good, hardworking, decent people, but we have some rotten apples amongst us, and it's time that they pay the price uh, for, for the sins that they've committed in our community. So I'm all about black tribalism. I identify with the tribe. So when people start talking about black men do this and that and they're saying something negative, not in my tribe. When people start calling black women bitches and hoes and all kind of other things and they're ghetto and they're loud, well, not in my tribe. When people say that black people don't do this or don't, not in my tribe, I only identify with the righteousness of my tribe. And if you're not aligned with the principles and the values and the work ethic of what goes on in my tribe or like-minded tribes, you, you have to pay your own debt. Don't come over here asking me to pay your debt, your moral debt, your filth debt, your, your sexual deviant debt, your six kids and five baby daddies debt. Don't come over here asking other black people who are doing the work, who are living responsibly to pay your debt, pay your own debt. And don't call me your brother until you come up to par or your sister. Don't call a decent sister your sister until you come up to the standard. Hey, you, you unwavering, Keith. 
Because I will tell you, um, in my mind, I'm still wanting to help that brother or sister. And, you know, it's not for you and I to debate, you know, where we stand with that. Um, but where, where I definitely hear uh, similarities, and then I also appreciate how you look at, in a sense, you know, having been involved in what we do and how you're looking at, you know, in a sense what I'm doing. And I appreciate your perspective because definitely one thing that I constantly say, even in the community, is, that, you know, I said one of the goals of what we do here in the club or the you know, like community club is just the idea of, I said, these, these concepts out here that says, you know, black people do this or black people don't do that. I said, we could be the opposite of that. So I've been saying that for a number of years before ever meeting, you know, in a sense meeting you who, you know, really just stand by this standard that I'm, I have to admit blows me away because, again, you are un- unwavering with it. And then, like I said, if you could just even talk about what's by, I mean, you write in this manner. So in a sense, you know, anything that you share, I mean, you share these, again, these prolific pieces on different aspects. Again, like, for example, I mean, I can, I can only imagine with the things that are, quote, unquote, going on in the public eye right now. Um, I, would, I would be very interested in, in anything that's, in a sense, tweak your interests and how you see it. Because one thing that I'm sure about, that whatever's in the public eye, when I see you write about it, I know before I start reading, I'm going to hear something different than what everybody else is saying. So, you know, again, I'm just kind of pulling it out the air. Anything that has tweaked your interest, whether it be the abortion issue or or even a couple of weeks ago how the Aisha Curry thing got pushed, you know, really in my mind out of a, a big bunch of silliness. But I would, I just want, again, for people that are listening to hear this, this king who walks in kingship, who walks in godship, as you mentioned it, or, or whatever, I'm blown away how you move, and would love to hear your thoughts on any of any current issue. Again, just to share with others how you see those things, if you will. Anything you want to pull out the bag? Well, uh, right, right, right. Well, um, as you know, every week there's a new hot topic. Uh, the Alicia Curry incident, the abortion incident is popping up. What I can tell you, sir, is that there is this sort of trauma bonding that goes on in the general culture of black society. So every issue that pops up, people use it as a vehicle to trauma bond with other people that are feeling the pain that they're feeling or perhaps come from the same traumatic uh, past life experience that they that they experience, and they're projecting it on black society. Um, I try not to engage in all of that trauma bonding because it's, it's disruptive, it dis- it's distracting. Um, in, my, in my opinion, sometimes it's just a waste of time uh, because – People have their own issues. They're mad at their daddy. They're mad at their ex-husband or wife. Um, they're mad at because they didn't get enough love from their mama. So they use pop culture issues as a vehicle to trauma bond and to uh, uh, it's like a, a ghetto way of trying to heal themselves, but it doesn't work. Um, so I mean, if you have an issue specifically that you want to ask him about, I'll be more than happy to to share. No, no, I love ability. what you just said because again, what what you just offered, the honesty, is your reality of how you see those issues, and that's exactly what again I want to share with the audience because I think um, when I see you, you know, in a sense using that term trauma bond because you you write about that often, and um and again wanting to help the community, I think personally I, I do a decent job of you know, not getting caught up in the quote-unquote trauma bonding, but I never heard that term until I seen you write it. So, again, just it's a trick. perspective is part of the reason. 
Yeah, go ahead, King. Go ahead. Yes, sir. It, I was going to say it's a trick. So they, they want to lure us. Hood rats in the black culture want to lure us into those type of discussions. It's interesting to me, even with the abortion issue, um, how some feminazis and members of the black intelligentsia is painting this picture like uh, on the abortion issue, men are trying to control the bodies of women. So under this false narrative, they're making the assumption that all the women are pro-abortion and all the men are anti-abortion. When you look at the data, that's not true. The data says that most people are simply indifferent towards the issue of abortion. They don't really have an opinion. The data says that most people don't even vote on politicians. Um, The data says that there are women who support abortion. The data says that the, 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 the politician in Alabama who had the final say-so was a woman on the issue of abortion. So generally, there's many women who are for abortion. There's many women who are against abortion. So how the hell do we get to this narrative that men are trying to control the bodies of women? It appears to me that people have different conclusions on both genders, and they're on both sides of the political aisle. So how does that turn into a gender war type issue? So it's stuff like that where I find it to be a trick, and they're they're constantly trying to fuel this gender war, um, and it's usually these people who are doing this, they're liars, and they're intellectually dishonest. So I try not to even engage in the conversation with them because they're not honest mm-hmm. from the get-go. Well, here's what's, and here's what's important about what you're saying. What's important about what you're saying, in, in my personal opinion, and if anybody wants to call in and get in on what myself and Eli are jumping in, we'll let y'all get in, 646-787-1691. Just press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. Um, but what's most interesting is the consistency in which the, the, the uninvolvement, needs, in my opinion, needs to be the messaging that we send out to our community, if that makes sense, um, to in, mm-hmm. to to avoid trauma bonding. Again, I love that term. Again, I never saw it until you wrote it, right? Um, I think it's something that I've constantly pushed our community to, but I didn't have a term for it, if it makes sense. And and right. that term is, 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 is a message, messaging for my, in a sense, I want to say this is a platform in which we reach out to the community. We're trying to raise awareness, trying to raise consciousness. And I love the fact not only that you're putting it out there through your writing, but I want to take advantage of my platform and say, hey, let me share this train of thought in a manner. Because you know, a lot of times, you know, as we both, we both know, obviously you don't write for no reason. Words are important. You know, words matter. And so a term like that could, could in a sense, be messaging that, that could change someone saying, you know what, I did not realize I was wasting time doing that. You know, or, or, or as you just said, when you said, you know, it doesn't help. It doesn't help your, you know, since your own trauma, whatever your issue may be. For somebody who's never heard even that as a solution, right, they'll just continue to mm-hmm. do it because nobody's ever advised you shouldn't be a part of that. One thing, for example, that we that I've constantly um, promoted on this show for a number of years now is, for example, you know, we know the sister lost her life to the policeman, you know, in this past week or whatever, um, but I've promoted a long time, stay away from those videos cause, because right. they also, in a sense, mess with our psychosis and get us in a place where I'm always concerned about not only just the trauma, but it actually plays into the fear that has been the backbone of how our community has been controlled in this country. And because people are unaware of it, they are messing around and share the video. And in a sense, you're harming 
each other by watching something that we already, in a sense, unfortunately, know goes on. So seeing it reinforced, how does it help you outside of driving fear into the next generation that there's no chance? Like people are unaware of, as you know, are unaware of how trauma bonding creates psychosis of action. And so, mm-hmm. again, hearing you speak about it and the way you write about it, I definitely appreciate. And, again, I want to take advantage of this platform to share with people, hey, one, stop sharing those videos, or as you say, stop even getting caught up in the latest issue, whatever it might be, which is why, as you say, you don't have much of an opinion about it because you're not wasting time with it. Go ahead, Keith. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I, that, that's actually an excellent point. Um, I think sometimes the culture forgets how important power is and how important money is. If we were to spend more time gathering our tribe around the table to discuss how can we make an extra $100 as a group uh, this week, how can we make an extra $10,000, $1,000, whatever that number is, what, what things can we do, what business operations can we implement to generate more money? Let's put our minds together. Because here's how power works. Instead of watching videos that emotionally triggers you uh, to have fear and angry and and all you're going to do is go out and protest, and we see how ineffective that has been, when you have power, you can use your power to, to to issue enforcement. You can use your power to issue punishment. Or you just simply use your power to create safe spaces that are policed by people who look like you because you can afford it. Powerlessness, there are consequences for being powerless. That that has always been the case. You become a prey when you're powerless. So let's sit around the table and let's discuss how can we generate power because we need power to protect ourselves. But uh, from my observation, the black intelligentsia promotes this sort of narrative of being anti-power, anti-wealth, because power and wealth in their book is inherently evil is inherently uh, pushing patriarchy, <laughs> you know, so they enjoy being powerless. That's their game. Their game is let's stay powerless, let's stay, let's stay blaming the white man, not saying that there isn't any blame that is, that's deserving of, uh, of the, the government or whatever, but they, their game is to continue to blame the white man while simultaneously allowing the white man to defend them on a global scale while simultaneously sending their children off to fight in the white man's wars, while simultaneously sending their children to work for the white man's brands like a workhorse. So their game does not work. I think the focus should be on tribal power. How can our tribe be in a position of wealth and power so we can defend and advance ourselves, which is going to decrease the likelihood of a police officer um, and some other tribe preying on our people? It decreases. When a police officer knows that they're dealing with a person who comes from a background of power, who has connections and who has the ability to punish them and and render consequence, they are much less likely to abuse their power. That's how we reduce police brutality. Well, you're absolutely right. I got a a caller that calls it all the time, Brother Piyaki, from out of St. Louis. I'd be surprised if he doesn't call it this morning. Um, But but he has a laid-out plan for how – communities in a sense can in a sense control policing, which is what communities should do, right? And and when we say when people say that, um, in today's term we have to I think we, in my personal opinion, I'll see what you think about this, but I think we have to we have to assess in a sense where we're at. I don't think that we always do a great job in my personal opinion 
um, if, if, again, if you want to look at our community as the black community, and, and obviously respect how, in a sense, you're focused on your tribe, but if you know if you want to take a bigger look at our community, I don't think we do a great job of assessing exactly where we're at. I think that if we did a better job of assessing where we're at, then the things that you're talking about will become more of a focus. Um, you know, for I mean, and to make that clear for anybody out there listening, you know, like for example, how we get caught up in our top you know, 1% money and, and to assume we're doing well in a sense, or Kwame Tour said it best, don't confuse the success of, one, of a few with the success of many. Um, and we've never taken heed to that quote to those, you know, who've heard of it or whatever, but but we, but in a sense, we've never taken heed to it, you know, in a sense that we get caught up in, and I admire these people, so I'm not saying anything negative about them, but um, you know, the Oprah and the Jay-Z, again, I, I admire different aspects about them, you know, individually, but sometimes we, we take that at some level of advancement, and it keeps us from looking at where we are really setting. Because if we, in my opinion, if we take an honest assessment, then you would find out, as you already keep speaking about, there's not a lot of time to waste on the things that we're wasting time on because we would have an honest and open look of, you know, in a sense of where we're really at, and in my personal opinion, not being able to assess ourselves in that way, unfortunately, plays a role in us not taking the important steps that you continue to talk about. We're actually up against a break. I want to continue the the idea. I'm actually going to play a cut from Chris Rock, one of my favorite comedians, that's definitely in reference to you talking about this civil war that seems to happen in the black community. And I will say, I'm still listening to you. Uh, I, I, you know, in a sense of somebody that still has a concept of saving everybody, I can't say that I'm in a complete agreement with you, but I love hearing your thoughts on it because I'm learning from you. Uh, for anybody out there listening, if you're not familiar with Chris Rock, you can hear some, some filthy language, so just be warned if you don't. If that bothers you, then be pre-warned. Take about a three-minute break and come back to the show. Other than that, we wanted to give people a little warning for this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. It's like a civil war going on with black people. And there's two sides. Black people and there's niggas. And niggas have got to go. Every time black people want to have a good time, and that ass niggas fuck it up. Can't do shit. Can't do shit without some ignorant ass niggas fucking it up. Can't do nothing. Can't keep a disco open more than three weeks. Grand opening, grand closing. Can't go to a movie the first week and come out. Why? Because niggas are shooting at the screen. What kind of ignorant shit is that? Hey, that's a good movie. That's so good, I got to bust a cap in here. Hey, I love black people, but I hate niggas, boy. Oh, I hate niggas. Boy, I wish they let me join the Ku Klux Klan. Shit, I do a drive-by from here to Brooklyn. Niggas, man. You can't have shit when you're around niggas. You can't have shit. You can't have no big screen TV. 
You can have it, but they better move it in at 3 in the morning. Paint it white, hope niggas think it's a bassinet. Can't have shit in your house. Why? Because niggas will break in your house. Niggas will live next door to you, break in your house, and come over the next day and go, I heard you got robbed. You robbed me. You ain't hear shit because you was doing shit. <laughs> Damn. Tired of niggas. Tired, 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 tired of niggas, man. Damn, man. You know what the worst thing about niggas? Niggas always want some credit for some shit they supposed to do. For some shit they just supposed to do. A nigga will brag about some shit a normal man just does. A nigga will say some shit like, I take care of my kids. You supposed to be a dumb motherfucker. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What kind of ignorant shit is that? I ain't never been to jail. What, you want a cookie? You're not supposed to go to jail, you low expectation ever, motherfucker. The worst thing about niggas, the worst thing about niggas, niggas love to not know. Nothing make a nigga happier than not knowing the answer to your question. Just ask a nigga a question. Any nigga. Hey, nigga, what's the capitalist I am? I don't know that shit. Keeping it real. Niggas love to keep it real. Real dumb. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, first hour guest on Conversation with Smart People, Eli Marcus. Thank you, kids, for being with us. Again, you made me think of that cut. Again, Chris Rock being one of my favorite. I quite often use him on the show. And everybody out there listening, we are not a politically correct show, so obviously uh, we, in a sense, keeps it real if you want to even use that term. Uh, but, again, I thought that was one uh a cut that you could relate to based on your own perspective and back to what I was saying prior to the break, I want to kind of put some nuance on it when I was saying we don't take a great assessment of where we're at. Here's a reality in my opinion. As funny as that that cut was from a Chris Rock, here's an aspect of the reality, and I think you can speak to this very well. While that aspect within our own community is definitely understood. There are aspects, as you say, as you always call them, you call them dusty niggas, <laughs> uh, quite often, uh, you know. But here's the reality when, again, talking about the real assessment of where we're at. We we actually assess that that group is bigger than it actually is. While it is a reality, we assess that group to be so big that, we get these false narratives that you're that you're constantly defending against. So, in a sense, what is your thought about the reality of that clip, but how we look at it as a community, if that makes sense? Right. Well, again, as I said earlier, I think the vast majority of black people are healthy, hardworking, decent, normal, functioning people. Um, if we're talking about, if you're if you're asking that question, but if we're talking about uh, uh, criminal-minded black people, that's a fraction of the society. That We all know that. That's like literally less than 1%. However, when something bad happens, it's so amplified and exaggerated and repeated over and over again. Um, there's an old quote. I forget the exact words. 
but it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, and all it takes is one bad action to ruin a, re- a reputation that took a lifetime to build. Um, so that same logic is applied to the general population of hardworking, law-abiding citizens to a criminal market of people. So, of course, no one likes criminals in their community. Uh, however, I don't just attack the criminals. I also attack uh, what I consider the black intelligentsia. They may not be criminal-minded in that they're committing crimes against their own people, but they subscribe to ideals that are very dangerous and toxic and that demonizes and criminalizes black men or black women um, and uh, it, that keeps black people in a powerless position. So I also attack that, that population of, of people as well. Uh, yeah, me, I'm, I'm, I do as well. Uh, from, well, not maybe from the perspective that you do, again, you write about it prolifically. But I will tell you what also concerns me, and let me see what you think about this. Again, when we talk, we use the word trauma, you know, in the first half of the show. I see, you know, as you say, black intelligentsia, but for me it's whoever, not even just that group. But I see because these narratives, and these, in a sense it's propaganda, right, the propaganda to apply as you say, something that's only possibly 1% of the community, especially when it comes to criminality, but whatever the issue that, quote, unquote, black people supposedly do, well, what what I see is the propaganda is done so to the extent that a lot of us have, in my opinion, I'll use this word, have been traumatized to believe it as well. And so I find within our own community people constantly downing our community because they've over-applied these negative stereotypes to most of our community. And I'm listening, you know, me, myself, somebody like yourself, I'm, I look at the numbers and I'm like, okay, well, the way you're applying it is as, as if there's a large group doing it. So I see that as a level of trauma too, trauma to the extent that even an individual who may be doing well, that in a sense looks down on, in a sense, black people because black people do this and black people do that. Well, I see it trauma from the standpoint of there's a, a sense of self-hatred f- for some because they're, in a sense, they don't want to be around their own people. Again, I, I think what you're saying is separating and wanting your tribe to be people who think like you. I don't see that with them. I see that as mm-hmm. they've come to want to separate because they believe these, this over-dramatized negativity about us. Any thoughts on that, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. There are people who deal with self-hate, and uh, that's uh, that's not a good condition to be in when you hate yourself or you hate someone because they're black. Um, if you have a service worker in a restaurant and they're black, you treat them poorly because they're black and you assume the worst about them. If a black person is knocking on your door for a cup of water or to ask you a question, you automatically assume the worst about them because they're black and you treat them that way. I think that's that's inhumane. That's uh, disgusting. And there's always going to be people out there. It's just like dealing with racists, uh, white racists who are against black people. It's like dealing with people who are racist against Mexicans. But the thing is, there's always going to be people who believe something negative about another group. How you respond to that adversity makes all the difference. Um, that's a part of human nature. Humans are going to be human. And humans have some dumb traits about them. Humans are going to um, criminalize an entire group. Um, and sometimes people within that group are going to criminalize the group to to uh, uh, join the dominant society, to be on one accord with the dominant society. Uh, so I see that as just a, a part of the game. It's a part of what comes with the territory of being human and a part of what comes with having a life experience. 
is dealing with um, that type of stuff, that, that type of self-hate and that type of hatred that may come from a racist white person. But I, I try not to, to, to drive too deep into it. Well, I try not to solve the problem. What I try to do is focus on my power, my wealth, uh, my peace of mind, being around people who make me laugh, who make me smile, who make me feel productive. I want that to be my life experience, not encountering self-hatred from others or hatred from other groups, white people, whatever, that may hate me. I try to reduce that as much as possible, and for my lived day-to-day experience to be one of high quality, high respect, high reverence, uh, because that's the energy and the frequency that I want to operate in. Now, fair enough. Let me ask you a, a thought about that. Again, uh, I, I definitely again got to constantly say I love the spirit in which you um, you write in, and you know I'm always on Facebook begging you like, when is the book coming? When is the book coming? So I guess that's a quick question. You know, are you planning? Have you written any books? Again, uh, I know you um, write. I mean, I've seen. I, I know you're a part of a. Um, you write articles for you know different um, mm-hmm. um, publications. I mean, is what I'm looking for. Um, but uh, are you? Because I would love to get a book. Um, from you again, just because of the way you challenged me, is that something that's on the horizon for you? Like, can ask you that very, very quickly. You know, right now, I think I'm in a season of of developing my thoughts still, um, and I'm in a season of being challenged and responding to those challenges, and I'm enjoying that process. I, I don't think it's the proper time for me right now to uh, publish a body of work that's just going to be out there forever. Um, but I, I can definitely see that happening in the near future. But right now, I'm still developing my thoughts. I'm being challenged. I'm responding to those challenges. Sometimes I may change something that I believe in um, after being challenged. Once I'm thorough and complete, I can definitely see myself sitting down for a moment and writing a book. Hey, I'm, I'm two years behind on mine, but I definitely understand, you know, part of, uh, you know, what, you, what you're speaking about. Um, again, just appreciate if you're, you know, if you're out there on the line and want to have a question for Eli or myself, please, you know, jump in. Please press 1 if you're on the phone lines. If you want to speak, if you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. You do need to press 1. And just so you know, Eli, I know you've been on the show before. Typically for these conversations with smart people, I think people just sit back and enjoy the conversation you know, whatever, you know, whatever's going on between you and I. So we don't necessarily get a lot of calls, but just throwing it out there for us. I do see some people on, on the line. Um, well, again, even going a little further, I'll give you an example of of what we were just talking about that happened last night at uh, Vincent Dollar. We've got a couple minutes before the break, so you may have to answer on the back end of the break. Um, but, again, this idea of how many in our community comes comes to accept these negative stereotypes and, and in my the way I would label it is these negative stereotypes about too many of our people. I, I say the term too many because again it gets over applied because I agree with you. The majority of us as, as African Americans are hardworking people that are you know just pushing to be the best that they can. Um, but when we allow these overarching negative stereotypes to to get you know, in a sense, bog us down in discussion. Again, you don't waste a lot of time with it. Um, here's the question I have uh, for you: is, is as much as I'm learning from you to to be as laser focused as you as you appear to be for me. I, I think I, I said this to one of one of one of my, my followers recently. My concern is 
we don't have quite enough of our community focused in the, in the manner that you are. And and so, in a sense, as much as you are focused on your tribe and say, well, whoever that is, we're going to be okay, it's almost to a certain extent you're almost like, well, I can't worry about those who don't think this way. I, I, I think from a global perspective, from a competitive perspective, um, you know, I obviously use the term tribe, so in a sense it's always that 10% it advances any tribe regardless of race and culture. That's a reality, that human experience that you speak about. My concern is is that we don't have we don't have that ten percent that, that people like you ends up being two or three percent. So in your sense, you're like, okay, we're going to be good, but it, it, from a group perspective, it 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 could, it could leave you vulnerable. In my opinion, I would love to hear, you know, your thoughts mm-hmm. in the sense that there's not enough people focused on excellence. Unfortunately, I'm up against the break, and we do got a caller. So let me go to break, and we're gonna get your answer, and then we'll go to the caller after the break. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think we'll be right back. We'll let Eli, I especially guess Eli Marcus, answer that question coming out of the break. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. If you're loving this as much as I am, be sure to go to their YouTube page and subscribe. Search for Square Business Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love Can't Define This. Love can define this. Can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define it. We're crippled and love would only blind us. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people. First, I will guest Eli Marcus, prolific writer and excellent thinker of black excellence. The top of the hour, we'll be glad to bring on Julian Rose, studying for his doctorate in biomedical engineering. Looking forward to the second hour as well. But you will, King, I kind of pose, um, or, you know, a concern, and this is probably why Mental Dialogue, the community club, exists, is a concern that would there be enough of, of 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 us or enough of you to, in a sense, make sure the group or the culture is protected. That's partly my concern. Any thoughts on that? And then we'll go to the caller after you. Yes, sir. Okay, absolutely. Well, one, I think the premise of your question of us versus them, um, as if uh, we're in a global competition or uh, it's white people oppressing black people, and us is the black, and we got to make sure that enough black people are winning, um, if if you know, and not just a very tiny fraction of people are winning. And I think a part of that uh, is a false belief that white people are, are on one accord. White people are not on one accord. White people have millions. Of let me let me tribes. let me let me jump in real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt you, so I, I want to at least open up the perspective. So you so I just you share with you what, I, what I, for me it wasn't even a white thing. I'm thinking global competition. Worldwide, against in a sense, against every again, I think all tribes compete in that manner. So for me, it wasn't even a fo- mm-hmm. focus on white. I definitely want to clarify okay. that. You can continue your point, but I want to let you know personally, 
I'm thinking globally for real, not just black and white. Okay. Just so you know. Go ahead and finish your thought, though. Okay. Well, even even with that, sir, um, mm-hmm. you will never unify all black people to be on one accord. Uh, it just it just won't happen because there's too many different preferences, Absolutely. too many different values, too many different beliefs. It, it can't happen. So when you focus right. on no your tribe, absolutely, right? No group, no no group has done that. And I just and I know you were specifically talking about white people. But I also want to say the average white man is very mediocre and average. The average white man is not in power. Um, right. White people are poor and nearly poor, just like the rest of the earth. That's just the reality of of, of white folks. Even though you wouldn't point that out, but even when it comes to black people, um, focus on your tribe. And, 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 you know, there's an interesting quote that I said uh, a little while ago on my Facebook account um, regarding when you are focused on the wealth and power of your tribe, what ends up happening is your tribe expands. It grows. It, it recruits new members, and they're all contributing to the economy and the value system of your tribe. That's how you heal the earth. That's how you, you uh, include more people beyond your tribe to be a part of the salvation experience and the vacation level life experience of your tribe. So it's not that we're, we're, you know, I'm arguing to be selfish and to to hell with anyone who's suffering or poor. It's just that you have to do things in natural order. You have to plant before something grows. Mm -hmm. And you have to allow that, that to expand and it will save more people. It will include more people as it grows. But when you skip steps in natural order to save somebody who's drowning, you end up compromising the safety and the economic growth of your tribe. If you're compromising, your tribe is compromised, but you, you ended up saving some random from drowning, uh, okay, now they're not drowning, but they're still poor and hungry, your tribe is compromised, and y'all both uh, are compromised right now. You and the person that you save from drowning. So, it, it, you know, it has to make sense in natural order. Um, hey, hey, strong thought. Let's get to the caller. Area code four zero four last three six 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 four. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. If you have a question for Eli as well, go ahead. Hello. Yes, you're live on the air. Yeah, well, give us your name. Oh, oh, yeah, give us your name and where you're calling from. Yes, this is Mother Daniels. I'm calling from Atlanta. How you doing, Queen? What you got for us? Give us a three cents on this morning's discussion. Yes, ma'am. I, I, excuse me. Yes, sir. I got put on to Brother Eli through my granddaughter. She uh, brought okay. me the phone one day, and she said, um, Grandma, Grandma, there's this really handsome guy on Facebook, and he got all the answers. And I thought he was just <laughs> one of those ones. I I thought he was just one of those wannabes because everybody want to be, want to be smart, want to be rich. But I I watched one of his videos and I started reading them statuses and I said, oh, no, this ain't no wannabe. This boy got got it. He got it. It's the real thing. It's the real deal. Holy field. (laughs) He is the real deal. And I just really, I'm not really into Facebook, so I don't really get to see. I got to get my grand, my granddaughter's phone just to show me what he's talking about. But I just had to call in. She told me he was going to be on the air. And I just wanted to call in, Brother Eli, and tell you that 
you are a voice for the people. I I just really enjoy your work. You're just so handsome and got that goatee, and I just want to got that goatee going on. My my grandson trying to grow his secrets. You're giving away your secrets to the people. <laughs> now, 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 my grandson, he tried to grow his goatee, but he ain't got it. He ain't got it. But you, brother Eli, just you keep you keep on keeping on, and I just know I I see you cuss sometimes. I I can't tell my pastor I listen to you because you cuss a little bit, but but that's all right though because you know you. I still I still want you to just do. I want you to have your best personality and. And um, I just wanted to call and say ho to his hand, God's unchanging hand. Hey, we appreciate you, Queen. Hey, we All appreciate right you, now. Queen. I love it. Well, you got know, you got right. a, a love, a follow of, you know, bringing it in. Thank you, Queen, for your three sisters this morning. We appreciate that. All right, brother Eli, have a good one. All right. Yeah, grandma was trying to figure out how to use Facebook to get to your info, brother. We need this book sooner than you want to give it to us, man. <laughs> it's all good. It's all man, good. I'm loving that, man. That I'm loving it. I'm pretty. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure you're loving that as well. Uh, that's, I, I, again, we are a community show, so everybody jump in. We got about five minutes more with brother Eli Marcus. If anybody wants to get in, top of the hour, again, bringing on Julian Rose. I'm studying to be a studying his for his doctorate in biomedical engineering. Looking forward to speaking to that young king. Um, dynamic, another dynamic king as well. As well as we try, as I always say, with conversation with smart people, I'm always glad to bring on people who, as I always often say, a little smarter than myself in, in their area of expertise. Again, I love learning uh, uh, from all of our guests, and I definitely learn from you. And I would even reiterate what some of Mother Daniel, you know, had to say or whatever. I definitely look forward to, you know, what you have to say. And I would back her up in the sense that you are the real deal. And I know just from the fact that I'm challenged to be better every day. So if, if nothing, if I say nothing more than to keep doing what you're doing, you know, I I really appreciate that. And there's one thing, let me throw this out, that you said a few minutes ago that let me know you definitely, we definitely need you to be a part of the, you know, the Middle Dialogue Community Club is, uh, when I said, hey, you know, do, do this book, and you were like, well, you know, I'm still open to being challenged and, and figuring out things for myself. And and that's, to me, what makes uh, the realest in today's time, uh, because we know that society, through lack of cr- critical thinking, in a sense, if we want to speak, you know, we're obviously using the word tribe quite often today uh, from your perspective, um, but we also are very aware that the tribes that are existing that are caught up in the drama tend to be people who are not willing to be challenged. And so people, in a sense, mm-hmm. circle themselves with people who think like themselves and have no clue of their stagnation because they're not learning the other perspective. So, again, as as strong as you stand by your standards, I appreciate that one little thing and, and a, 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 a very strong reason why we need you because we need you to challenge our, our thoughts and the fact that you're open to being challenged is what we teach constantly within the Men of Allah Community Club. So, you know, again, if you could just even speak about that openness, because, again, I think that's something that's missing dearly in our society at today's time. Right, right. Well, again, I appreciate you for certainly uh, inviting me on the show. Um, as I said earlier, the more black people opt towards a mentality and function of tribalism, the less relevant the black intelligentsia, white supremacists, uh, will be. 
The black intelligentsia wants to mute us. They want to drive us away from serving our specific tribe, throw dirt on our last name and deserving honor of the productive and righteous men and women in our tribe so they can rape our life experiences and use our rightful energy to serve their non-profitable, anti-wealth, progressive dummy mission. This is why they spend more time on non-productive conspiracy theories like toxic masculinity, the promotion of slut walks to teenage black girls, white supremacy is holding us back narrative, instead of focusing on the pursuit of money, power, influence, so that every member in their tribe can eat at the table. We must switch our focus from the black community to a culture of many tribes. In our tribe, we are in service to our wife and children, not the world, not the black intelligentsia, and not their trauma-conscious students. How our tribe members judge our character and performance is all that matters. So when some random hood rat calls us toxic masculinity or tries to push our daughters to join their slut walk because it's her body, her choice, and if she want to sleep with some dusty from the club, then she should because it doesn't matter what her father who protected her and guided her thinks, we trash them. We do not consider the opinions of people who are, are poverty, powerlessness, and trauma conscious. So I appreciate the opportunity, brother, and I hope that this has guided someone. And feel free to challenge me on Facebook um, if you so please. To the audience. Nah, you definitely stay open to it. But, I, you know, if, if people have not figured out by this point, you're not an easy win, King. You are not an easy win in the sense that, you know, you give well thought out, backed up by data conversation, which, again, you know, we appreciate that and, and we're glad to, in a sense, have you, you know, part of our community um, respectfully, you know, it, you know, if I could say that. And well, we got a couple of minutes before, you know, it's, yeah, before we let you go. Um, but, you know, for others who may want to become fans like a, mo- a, mo- a Mother Daniels, uh, please start sharing with, in a sense, the ways that you can be followed. Let's go ahead and do that now, and then I'll let you close with, you know, any other thought that you may have for the closing minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I have about two or three minutes left. Um, again, all of this talk about unifying the black community. We need unity, hey, Bart. Personally, I think one of the best things that can happen to black folks is for us to separate and divide ourselves into groups based on common values. That's what you have to do when you're in such a dire situation as we are. I have no interest in unifying with hood rats, hoes, or extremist liberal feminists. I feel confident that if we separate it in such a way, you will see tremendous progress happen overnight in the black community. While the blacks with poor values would self-destruct and kill themselves off within a decade. Now, those of us who survived this purging process can finally properly fight white supremacy without all of the distractions and internal conflict. Uh, my final point is this, sir. We cannot win the war until we resolve the civil war. We can't pretend that there isn't a civil war. I'm not, certainly not saying that you're saying that, but to anyone, anyone who thinks that there's not a civil war, there is a civil war. Find your tribe, strengthen your tribe, get to the wealth, and get to the power because there is a civil war. And when you ignore that, you will be a human sacrifice for some no-good hood rat. Hey, strong thoughts. How can they follow you, Eli? Thanks again for being with us, King. Good, excellent conversation with smart people. Thank you, King. But, yeah, how can people follow you that want to, Eli again, Marcus take advantage Facebook? of reading and Yes, sir. Eli Marcus on Facebook. Okay, cool. So Marcus with a K. M A R K U S. 
Absolutely. Follow this kid. And again, he challenges my thoughts each and every day. Appreciate you. Great, great time with you, King. And we'll definitely get you on in the future. I love bringing your thoughts to the process. Thanks a lot, King. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Good day. All right, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to go to a very quick break. In the next hour, we'll be bringing on Julian Rose, studying for his doctorate in biomedical engineering. So we're looking forward to speaking to this very intelligent king. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. We are at the top of the second hour with our conversation with smart people, and I'm glad to bring on this young king, Julian Rose. Thanks a lot for being with myself and the truth seekers out there listening. How are you doing on this Saturday morning in the ATL? How you doing, King? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Y'all can hear me? Oh, uh, you're coming through loud and clear, crystal clear, King, so thanks Perfect, yeah, perfect. Yeah, no. Nah. Yep. Say hello to the truth. Yeah. Give a little bit of your background, King. How, how's everybody doing? Um, my name is Julian Rose. I'm currently involved, in, um, enrolled in uh, Georgia Tech and Emory University as a PhD student in uh, biomedical engineering. Um, I'm originally from Connecticut. Just got down to Atlanta uh, a little of uh, just about a year ago, and. Uh, I really love it down here, and, I, and I'm so happy to be on your show today. Well, you should love it. I mean, it was uh, you up in Connecticut, ain't like you and like nine other black people in the whole state or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have we have our, uh, our our rich communities, but they're definitely uh, very concentrated. I'll say that in the rest of the state is uh, it, it, it feels like you're a fly in milk sometimes, definitely. <laughs> hey, so yeah, so yeah, I'm. I'm I'm shocked you didn't come to Atlanta and want to run back because it was a culture shock. You know what I mean? I'm messing with you a little bit. You know, you, yeah, I, yeah. Obviously, you're loving the ATL experience, so I definitely I definitely can understand that. Uh, but I I, I right. assume that that was you know so you know obviously I mean I'm pretty sure you've heard of how Atlanta might be. Now, I don't know if you can say getting here a year year ago. You know, was in a sense that your first time coming here? Had you been here before? And again, it's just. You know that that natural culture shock. Cause I remember when I I went to school out in um, Colorado and befriended someone from Connecticut. I, it was like weird, not a black person, but a white person, just from the standpoint of like just seeing, yeah. you know, how things were for them because some of them had never seen a black person they got through our school. So that was you know that mm-hmm. was funny to me. So again, you know, again, was that your first a year ago? Was that your first time here, or had you been before? Yeah, no, this is this is my first time. I think my parents brought me down to um, see some sites, like, when I was young, young, but I don't even remember that. So it was, really was my first mm-hmm. time here. Um, but I immediately felt at home largely because of, like, how the black community here really embraces you. Um, so that that was, that was a, a beautiful experience. I don't think there's ever going to be a time in my life, like the first month I spent here in Atlanta, 
Um, and I'm just I'm just thankful that I had the opportunity to come down. Well, I got, hey, you got some yeah, you got some some good old South treatment, so that's pretty cool. I'm glad that that was um, your experience. I don't know if everybody has that experience, but I'm glad that that was your experience. But let's talk about in a sense this background of yours. Uh, you know, how does a, a young man from Connecticut find find this career path? Uh, you know, where where, where does interest even come from? Um, if if we can start there, then I'll turn around and ask you, what the heck is biomedical engineering? <laughs> you got to get both of those out of the way uh, before we go in the front. Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, so how did I get into this? It's actually a series of mentors and just people pouring into me kind of thing. Um, so when I was young, I wanted to be a lawyer throughout, like, throughout high school and things like that because my parents always told me, you know, you love arguing so much. You're going to make a great lawyer kind of thing. So it just got to my head. And uh, one one day my history teacher, who was, who was, I'm thankful that she told me this. She was like, for every 26 lawyers out there, there's one job. But what our country needs is a lot more doctors and engineers. So if you like science or if you like math, that's something that you should learn more about. Um, so I started looking into that. But honestly, like, I wasn't super motivated in that sense. Um, but it just so happened that my mom's best friend from college at the University of Virgin Islands had moved up to Connecticut to lead uh, an enrichment program for minorities in, uh, I don't even like the word minorities, basically underrepresented people um, in the health professions. And so since it was my mom's best friend, she forced me to go to these Saturday programs <laughs> uh, against my great will. Mother. And, great mother. Uh, this is a great mother. I, I mean, let me throw it out there real quick. Your mother is a great mother. I like <laughs> I completely agree. Nah, she's an amazing woman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She forced me to go to these programs, and I was so so. I was exposed to the field. Basically, I was exposed to my mentors. I started doing research in high school, um, in a biomedical engineering lab, and uh, my my passion and love for it kind of just grew from there. Um, and and part of the reason why I became interested in it is because, uh, one of my main mentors was a black man who was extremely successful. His name is Dr. Cato T. Lorenzen. Um, all y'all should look that up. That's Cato Lorenzen. And, uh, you know, he's been awarded by Dr. Uh, President Obama t- twice, one for research and one for uh, mentorship. Um, so he's a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal researcher. And uh, I, I just basically got lucky in falling into that sort of mentor. And I just fell in love with the field. And I, I can circle back to explain what it is exactly as well, if you want me to do that now. Yeah, 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 let, yeah, let me, yeah, let, you know, I, I mean, I have an idea, I don't, I, whatever, but at the same time, I don't want to have an idea. Yeah. I got an opportunity to have a conversation with an actual, you know, future doctor and biomedical engineer, yeah. so <laughs> I want to hear your explanation of what it is. Again, I, again, I have an idea, but I'd rather hear it from firsthand. Go ahead, King. Yeah, so basically for me, biomedical engineering is applying engineering principles to fixing issues or things that are going on in the body. Um, period. So biomedical engineers do things like creating prosthetic devices, implants. They do things like creating medical instruments, like those like diabetes monitors. Those are are designed by biomedical engineers as well as other engineers. Um, they do regenerative medicine research. So that's like literally growing back tissues, like organs and things like that, um, which has been in the media a lot, right? The possibility to actually grow back damaged tissues that are in your body. Um, so we do a, a wide range of things, but if I had to sum it up, it's like fixing issues that are in the body using engineering principles. 
Uh, makes sense. What's your undergrad in, if, if you don't mind, yeah, real quick? Yeah, it was also in biomedical engineering. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you're just basically taking it to the doctorate level. Okay, nah, it's excellent. So here's, here's a thought. Again, let's, yeah, uh, here's a thought. Um, and I'm not surprised to hear that you had a mentor or whatever. That definitely seems to be the path that, again, you know, for any parents out there listening, you know, find your children mentors, especially in the areas that Absolutely. they're interested in. Definitely, you know, definitely a step up. Um, again, being in Connecticut, as you said, uh, in a sense, a fly in the milk. Um, in your, in a sense, go, going down this path, um, how often are you seeing others who look like you? And, again, this is just to even give background for where that's coming from. We're constantly pushing STEM um, in, in the mental dialogue community. Um, I even go as far to give a little more backdrop. I even go as far as I would like to see STEM areas become our new NFL, our new NBA, in part mm. because I know America has – Gonna it actually has unfulfilled jobs that Americans in general can't fill. So with that type yes. of opportunity, I would love to see more of you. So, so in that sense, how often have you seen others who look like you um, as you transgress this path? That makes sense. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah. So you actually made me think about a few things. So I'm gonna come back to your question, but I think it's important That's to no recognize problem. the fact that. Uh, I think it's important to recognize the fact that not only is there a gap to fill, but our community is actually an asset to the science and STEM community. Um, when we are having 14% or whatever our makeup of the population is, those are our minds that have been through experiences that are currently not contributing perspectives that are necessary for, for cures, for advancement, for developing new questions, and also including things and perspectives that are currently being ignored. So, for example, mm -hmm. if we have more doctors that are black women, then maybe fewer black women will be dying when they're actually trying to have babies because those black women will understand their perspectives better. So it, it's, not, it's not even so much like, Absolutely. oh, we're going to fill gaps of, like, of like the, the, the broader American community's needs. It's like, no, we will actually push right. the field forward in ways that the field has been held back because they are holding an asset of the entire country back. So I think that's a, a, the first no, thing to recognize. That's very pertinent. If I, yeah, that's very, very pertinent. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, and get, you know, let me just kind of piggybacking on what you're saying. Um, yeah. We see that happen in all types of fields, not just the medical field, but just all these areas of STEM. Uh, you know, just from the standpoint of even studies that are not approached because we're not enough of us a part of, you know, whatever. And it's not, you know, sometimes we look at um, the studies not being approached because, in a sense, they're not thinking of, you know, they're they're not concerned about us. And the reality is it's just it's natural because we're concerned with yourself. So if more of us were doing it, Absolutely. we would do those studies, uh, for example. So I love you bringing that to the table. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, Kim. No, thank you for that. So I'm, I'm going to provide one quick more example. Um, I'm currently doing sickle cell research, and I'm studying cognitive impairment that's caused by sickle cells. So basically there's some evidence yeah. that if you have sickle cell disease, it can actually affect your brain long-term in negative ways. Now, there's almost yeah. no research about this that's been done, even though there's been evidence as to this being true for a long time. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because there's not enough black researchers that care enough about this issue because it's our communities that are being plagued with it. And so I'll yeah. get into the specifics of my research.
later on and how that connects to public health and health disparities and things like that. Um, but I, I mm-hmm. think that our perspective, our, our perspectives are really, really critical in order to tackle some of these big issues that are happening. Um, but in terms of uh, my experience with black people in the field, I think, um, I think part of the reason why I was in those programs to begin with is because there was a dire need us right and and i can talk too about and i I also want to mention like i don't think all black people should be funneled towards stem because we have such a wide variety of skills and talents and things that we can contribute right but specifically in the stem Mm -hmm. field i think um you do see a dominance of white folks and asian american folks and and obviously like people from those communities uh abroad as well not just focusing on america um and black Mm -hmm. people are, are are really missing from that. And we know that our black women are performing generally better in, um, you know, like in academia than black males. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But even in STEM, I'm seeing black women facing discrimination as a facet of being a woman. Right. So I can talk about very concrete examples of my program of people having to really advocate for themselves of black women trying to be pushed out. Um, And this is, this is Mm -hmm. like happens to black males as well. Right. So, um, just like, absolutely. I think I think the discrimination that's happening on a personal level and also systemically is really preventing um, black folks specifically from being involved, and also Latinx people and things like that. Right? They're they're being pushed out of these fields still today, even despite some of the diversity initiatives that are happening. And so I see I see. No, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll finish, please. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I I see a lot of efforts in terms of diversity and inclusion being focused on recruitment and not enough on retention. So what's happening is people are getting to these schools, but they're dropping out because they're not supported in their process. So that's another issue that's preventing there from being like uh, a lot more of us in the STEM fields in general. No, absolutely. We did a show on particularly entitled Why Are Blacks Behind, uh, for example, in STEM? I remember the guest that I had on, in a sense, um, speaking about some of what you're talking about. And I have another friend who personally talked about how, again, getting into those, like you said, that maybe the getting in is there's push to get in or whatever, but going through that experience and, in a sense, even having particular teachers recommending that people mm-hmm. get out of the, the, the field or whatever, just in a way that that's not going to be said to someone else maybe of their culture, uh, who's having, in a sense, possibly the exact same struggles. But that's not the recommendation. The recommendation there is, you know, how can we keep you in the field? And so quite often, and, and sometimes the fields can be so difficult that unfortunately, based on somebody's background, that can be the deterrent to say, well, maybe I'm not smart enough. Absolutely. Maybe I should go take general engineering. These are things that I know have been real-life experiences. We're going to go to a quick break, and we'll come back. i got a got fiancé on the line. We'll get his his thoughts coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most 
It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith a.k.a. Black Soccer Tees. This morning's conversation with smart people with Julian Rose, studying for his Ph.D. in biomedical engineering. We got Brother P. Unky out of St. Louis on the line. We're going to get this king on to see, get his three cents this morning. How you doing, Brother oh. P. What you got for us? How you doing? Thank you King. Have you ever heard of an organization, Mr. Rose, by the National Society of Black Engineers? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, that's the organization that's been around since 72 that's working very diligently to produce 10,000 black African-American STEM graduates per year, working their way up to 25,000. They originally set the goal at 25,000 per year, but they had to draw back because the reality is what you just got through describing is that our children, black children are not being prepared before they get to college adequately in order to be able to maintain those rigors that's required. You know, uh, my grandson is an engineer, and and I'm sure you experience the same thing. When he leaves out at uh, the B.A. class at 9 o'clock in the morning, he don't come back in until after midnight because of the courses and the rigors of all day. But, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. the the thing is is that, and, you know, what you're doing is very good because, Montoya, we have a young man that works for St. Louis University Medical Center, and he has something to do with HR, human resources. And he goes around and he talks to groups about getting African-American kids involved in associate degrees in uh, biomedical engineering because they are hiring. And uh, after two years, you can walk into a job that's paying like sixty-seven dollars to $80,000. And he's there, and he hires everyone that he can get. But, uh, right. you know, at the, getting back to Nesby, Mr. Rose, at their last convention, which ended just March of this year, the 31st, there mm-hmm. in Detroit, you had a corporation that was hiring hundreds of those STEM graduates. Uh, Northwood Grumman, you got Lockheed hiring 400 a WAP, you had Johnson & Johnson, who's looking for people in your field, 3M, looking for people in your field. So we have to get the kids ready. We have to get them prepared, and it has to start early. Just like you made mention, Montoya, STEM degrees, STEM education should be another form of the NBA and NFL. Right. And, you know, once you get that degree in a biomedical engineering, it can take you any place. You know, mm-hmm. grandson came and said, Papa, I want to be the commissioner of Major League Baseball. So we go on the website and look at his bio. 
and lo and behold, he has an engineering degree in mechanical engineering, I believe. Wow. Wow. So what you learning, and I can about what you are uh, talking, what you have to go through to, to get to where you are. You have passed many milestones. You have been tried, proved, and tested. And when someone look at your credentials, they, and especially if they're in the note, they know that this person has been finally honed and shaped because of the rigors you had to go through. And that means a whole lot. So I commend you for what you're doing and you. uh, keep up the good work. And talk to the young people, please, by all means. Yes, of course. Appreciate that. Uh, absolutely. Brother P, I see you, you, keep, you told me to have on more engineers, so don't forget I'm, you know, I need your support, too. I'm going to keep pushing you to, you know, come out there and, come out there and support, support us. I thank you for being our, our number one caller every week. Thanks a lot, King. Thank you, Montoya. Uh, no problem. Yeah, if I may, I'd love to actually build on that. Yeah, jump in, King. You're good. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I actually didn't go straight from college to my Ph.D. program. I did a program called okay. uh, Teach for America, um, which yeah, which aims to, to serve mm-hmm. uh, underserved communities, right, underserved schools, and recruit promising leaders into the, the, the field of educational inequity and, and improving those issues. And, and part of the reason I did that is because, I knew how important it was to have a black male teacher. The fact that I did not have one growing up and there was one in my high school um, was really speaking to me, right? There's only 2% of teachers that are black males right now. And especially ones that have have an advanced degree like biomedical engineering. So when I was, I, uh, I decided to leave the classroom, there was a few of my students that had said like, Mr. Rose, I think I want to pursue biomedical engineering degrees or another a different STEM degree. And I thought that was beautiful, and I thought it was emblematic of the fact that uh, when, you, when you turn around and, like, give back and you lift as you climb, you're building a pipeline, really, of people that are, are going to be prepared, right, for those opportunities that, for example, Nesby is setting up. Um, so I think that's really important. For any, anyone listening, you have – skills, experience that students can absolutely benefit from. And even if you don't go into the classroom per se, you can definitely touch a student's life by paying that back to them. Now, that's an extremely important point. And as I'm listening to you, um, you know, again, obviously you, brought, you highlighted it, highlighted it because, you know, Brother Turkey said give back to the kids. And, then, you know, obviously that's a real-life example where you made that choice and obviously proved that's a part of who you are. Um, but, you know, in listening to you, here's something. I, I went to the Air Force Academy, which is a pretty much an engineering school, um, you know, just in general, basically, most of, basically, most of the degrees that they offer on there. I, I, I it was a legal studies major, so it was not my thing. So, I, you know, I can't take that claim to fame as much as I have plenty of friends who I admire who are, you know, able to go through those rigors, as Brother P.S. mentioned. Um, what I found in that school, and this is, I appreciate, you know, your perspective of having that concept of giving back, um, but it's not too uncommon. I don't want to see if you've seen this in your, even in what you're currently doing or maybe some, other, some of your peers, but it's not uncommon due to those rigors that, in a sense, some of our community can, you know, it's, again, it's, it's very rigorous. So it's understandable that sometimes it can come so laser-focused that there is no concern about giving back. There is no concern 
about, you know, yeah. what's going on in the community. When I was when I even just been looking up, you know, a little bit that I could find out about you, I was actually um, maybe even a little surprised how to, to the degree of activism that you seem to have committed to in your own life, which is almost a different subject. But I want to kind of hone in on yeah. um, that, that idea, how often are you seeing, you know, and again, we already know there's not enough that look like you surrounding you, but how often are some of them so focused that there is no consciousness to even, you know, cause like I say, go back and speak to the kids, even on that level, not even jumping into your activism at this point, but just that perspective is always somewhat of a concern because we know our community need more people to do the very thing that you did, you know what I mean, create that yeah. that, um, that pipeline, as you said. Go ahead, Kenny. Yeah, so I think there's I think there's two main parts to that, right? There are obligations and there are motivations. I think that in education in general, and you can also just like connect this to capitalism, we are forced to be very very busy with our time, right? And and specifically when you're doing a PhD program, there are constant demands and pulls on your time. There's always more that you could be doing. You could always be more productive, and I think that pressure leads people to turn inward rather than turning outward. So what I mean okay. is, like, the Ph.D. race is extremely, extremely individualistic no, and very isolating mm-hmm. um, because everyone's mm-hmm. on their own path and things like that, and it's very easy, like you're saying, to get blinders and just, like, let me just focus on what I need to do kind of thing. What I mean by motivations is that it's easy to fall into that and and I'm going to call it a trap because I think giving back is actually fulfilling. And I think it enriches your experience rather than taking it away. I think it's easy to fall into the trap of focusing just on yourself. If you are not motivated by altruism or if you're not motivated by giving back per se, and some people have not yet been convinced or they haven't been exposed to enough, like about the importance of mentorship and community building and things like that. So they haven't built that motivation muscle essentially. You know what I mean? So if you don't have that motivation no, and you have all these ob- obligations coming from everywhere, it's very, very difficult to turn around and say, like, let me spend a few hours a week doing this or doing that with students. And um, the thing about a PhD, too, is you have a lot of different um, people's motivations pulling on you, right? You have your advisors that are, like, telling you what to do for, for, for research, for their career advancement. Um, you have what the school wants you to do and how you need to represent the school and things like that. And you also have your personal needs. And so um, I think it's very easy to be pulled in different directions that are not necessarily aligned with what you need for yourself. Um, I've tried to make it a priority despite those things. I try to make it a priority despite those things. Uh, yeah. No, that's beautiful. And, I, you know, I can say personally that I appreciate that in just – you know, getting you know, be aware of you know your past, and then again following you on social media and seeing that. So let me you know again tell you how much we I appreciate that our community needs it. Now on the flip side, I'll definitely hear your thoughts on this as well. Um, on the flip side, I'm also again partly having had friends that were double majors in some of these STEM things, and you know again, so I have a, a realistic understanding of how their time is taken up per se, if that makes sense, right? Um, so, on the flip side, I also even challenge our community to even be more forgiving for people on paths that, you know, one day in a sense, we'd like to highlight you and hold you up and say, hey, look at what we're doing. 
But I will say mm-hmm. quite often along the way, due to that, like I say, all of the requirements, and like you said, somebody can get laser focused and maybe they're going to come back and help at one point because they got to, you know, pull this off. So a lot of times yeah. along the way, we are the same community that almost pushes you out because you're oh, on yeah. such a different path and we don't appreciate it. So if you could even speak from that perspective, because that's a reality that we have to, in my opinion, we must contend with in my, and also become more understanding on those who choose to take these difficult paths. We, we do need more understanding within our own community, if you will. What are your thoughts on that, Kim? And you know what? I was just having a what's called a lemon squeeze with some of my other PhD friends about, and we, and we touched just on this, so um, we were describing how disconnected you can feel because of the fact, so I think there's a few issues there, right? I think, one, the community doesn't know what it takes to, to get a PhD right. largely. Many folks don't know, and it's not their fault that they don't know. Um, part of the reason why they don't know, right, is because they're not proactive enough about seeking that information from people who are going through this journey. The other reason that they don't know is, like, people who are going through this journey aren't proactive about communicating what that's like. What I've been trying to do to kind of mitigate that um, that tension is when I'm calling my parents, for example, neither of my parents have PhDs. Um, when I'm calling my parents, I try to explain little tidbits of what's going on rather than, like, just giving up on them mm-hmm. assuming that they're not going to understand. I'm like, let me let me try to try to pull okay. you into this experience a little bit. Also, I'm like, you know, I'm taking you know, I'm taking yeah, videos in my lab and things things like that, just trying to like make them feel a part of it, trying to make them feel like, you know, y'all are on this journey with me kind of thing. But I think the other thing, right, is a distrust between I, I think this connects back to elitism and classism because there is a distrust of black people who are in academia in general versus the, the broader community um, for people who are not mm-hmm. involved in that kind of career path um, because right. p- part of it right is, is, a, is connected to elitism because there are black people in academia who have acted as though they are better than the, the broader black community as well, right? So I think it's a two-way yeah, street, sense. and I yeah, think that, yeah, yeah, it's a I think that trust needs to yeah, be it come from yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't come out. It doesn't come out of nowhere. Is what you're saying. It definitely makes sense. And we There's a history have, there. Absolutely, uh, history. Yeah, definitely a long history. You know, I'm here in Atlanta. Well, you're in Atlanta with us now, so this is definitely a long history within this, um, you know, city itself. We're up against the breaks. We'll go to another break and come back. We'll finish up our second half of the hour with Julian Rhodes, future PhD in biomedical engineering. We'll be right back with all I ask that you pay. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. Love can define 
Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Please go follow Square Business Entertainment on YouTube every 30 days. They are dropping a new hit, I'm loving that real R&B. Our special guest, Julian Rose. Thanks again, King, for being with us. Yes, yes, of course. And speaking of, great. Yep, yep. And speaking of that lemon squeeze you and your peers had, um, what the whole what life would be like to not be torn between that aspect specifically, uh, in a sense, from coming from our community. Uh, again, the, the the PhD path or the STEM path in itself is difficult alone, and and it's hard to progress in any way. But the reality in this country, again, not to overplay this, but it is a reality, is in going down these paths that that that, that few have, in a sense, went through. It's always that added factor of how do you do the very thing you just talked about? How do you stay connected while having to have blinders? And that ends up being an added factor. And that added factor, unfortunately, sometimes can be the very thing that when you get that unsupportive instructor that does the very thing mm-hmm. that we talked about, push push our kids sometimes completely out of the um, the STEM field for those who have that talent because I agree with you it's not that we push all our kids that's not something that again when we make this push it's not that we want all of our kids going in this area but the reality is similar to yourself you wanted to in a sense be a lawyer but has you had the talent to do what you're doing now so that's where a lot of misses are happening a lot of misses are happening um, from the idea of you know, not having parents that, in a sense, force their children like you were forced to go to that event, forced them into other experiences to only find out, hey, this is my talent too. So we have misses that happen there. Or when we don't have the miss, that that weight of the community that unfortunately is an aspect of being an African-American in this field. Again, we've been talking about it, but I just want to, you know, just further, you know, say here's my understanding of it and just kind of hear it from you firsthand um, again, your peers often, some of them have the freedom of not worrying about that. And, again, it's not all of your peers, um, you, you know, in a sense, but if you could just kind of speak to that a little more. Um, again, just for people to get an understanding of what your world is like, if that makes sense. Right. I mean, there are just a number of different pressures that come with being underrepresented in the fields. Um, and one of those things is feeling disconnected from community, especially when a community is less familiar with with your progression and things like that. Um, and something I, I actually try to do is use social media, social media and communications like that. Um, I find that even people that know nothing about biomedical engineering, if I, if I explain like a little bit about what I'm doing on Twitter, like people are really fascinated in it, right? Because um, it, it's cool stuff. And I think as people who are in academia – and pe- people in academia actually do have a responsibility to the public to disseminate what we're doing. It shouldn't be a closed-door policy. And people want to know. They want to learn about this stuff, even into their adulthood. It's not just children. And so the more that you communicate with those things, you, the more that you, you'll feel like your community is with you and behind you and kind of going through this learning process together. So I could write a dissertation or I could write a whole research paper and I'll publish it and, you know, I'll have – the peers in the field reflect on what I've done. But it's also important Mm -hmm. to disseminate that information to the broader public. 
specifically the black, the black community who's been kept in the dark about research for so long. And who else is going to communicate right. these ideas to us other than us in a way that we can understand it, right? Yeah, so that's think, very critical. Now, I'm loving what you're talking about. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think it's it's helped me feel more supported in my process, too. So, again, it's like a two-way synergistic thing. No, absolutely. And now, you know, let me tell you what you sparked in me. There's a couple of things I want to kind of go. Um, I definitely want to, you know, I definitely want to hear what you want to do with what you're doing, as Brother Piaki alluded to. And once you get into that engineering background, you're pretty much the possibility somewhat unlimited to a certain extent. So another reason to encourage our young people who have this talent, um, you know, to get them involved, you know, in STEM things sooner. Um, you know, as, I, as we always talk about, plenty of parents are going out throwing a ball, you know, let's, you know, let's spend that same 30 minutes, um, you know, having them do some additional math problems or whatever. Again, um, right. again we, will not, we will never stop that encouragement because it's such a need in our community for, for even more reasons than I've ever said. I, I love your perspective, not just a numbers game and a money game, but just why it's so needed to ensure that our community is taken care of from a research standpoint. So I appreciate that. Um, um, so the, the challenge, um, again, in listening to you, and then again, you just sparked this into me, is, as you say, y'all have a responsibility not to have a closed door policy. What's also happening, and I don't know if you, how much you, I, I would assume, because you seem to be so active, I wouldn't be surprised if you were aware of this, but something that, that, that is happening currently, I would say, within the quote-unquote black community is there is a fight, in my personal opinion, based on some people I'm connected to, to, to push scientific literacy into the community mm. in general because we are, and again, I don't know how we're aware, of the, aware you are of this, but we are losing, in my personal opinion, a portion of the community um, to things that are the opposite of scientific literacy. I'm talking about as far as actually movements that are pushing for things that will actually cause future suffering in our community, i.e., the anti-vaxxer movement, for example. And, again, that mm-hmm. movement can only exist through a lack of understanding of scientific, you know, just the basics of scientific literacy and what science purpose is and how research is done. So the distrust is so deep that you can't even just lay out the scientific metric and say, hey, a person without an agenda is, is not going to come to a bad conclusion. You know, are, do we, you know, are there people with bad agendas? Yes. But we apply mm-hmm. that agenda to the whole field. So that is a dangerous area. I don't, you know, I don't know how much you're aware of it, but I wanted to bring it to your yes, attention no, yeah. and hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, and I think, I think it's so funny. In the era of 45, I think there's definitely been a movement against uh, trusting scientists, right, which is very dangerous. And we've seen in every dictatorship throughout history that, you know, the 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 leaders of those countries, uh, people who are exploiting people's understanding, have disconnected the entire country from from uh, the leading philosophers and thinkers of the country because it makes them easier to control. So it's actually a tactic right. of oppression to separate people from from knowledge. Right? It's it's, it's a pretty important step as well mm-hmm. if you're trying to oppress people. Um, I think specifically for the anti-vaxxer movement, uh, that was birthed, and I think. Social media did not help that situation at all. Um, but yeah, right. it's absolutely hurting our it's absolutely hurting our community. 
and and specifically for the black community, I think it's a little different in the sense that I place less blame on people because of all the atrocities that have happened throughout history, Absolutely. by medical research and Absolutely. other scientists, right? So it's Absolutely. coming from a, a Absolutely. very real place of trauma. Um, Absolutely. Which is, is, like, is part of the reason why it's important to have black people communicating these things because, like, more likely to trust us, right, if it's coming from us. Uh, the other thing is I think we need to be, be educating people um, on how to discern factual information from opinion-based information. And this is something that's taught in science classrooms, right? But when we have educational inequities where our students are actually not being exposed to true science learning, of course people are right, growing up without the ability yeah, to discern those right. things. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, if, you, if you're not even being taught from the start, then how can you blame them being the adults who rather run with the opinion versus the scientific fact is pretty much what you're saying. Makes sense. I got Brother Pierre. Absolutely. Get back in. Let me get him back on the line. Yeah, let me get him back on the line. All right, Brother Pierre. Give him no, a uh, for, for, for King. Yeah, you know, another thing is that you may mention before 45, but, you know, I vote in support for him. For, for a lot of reasons. One is school choice, where parents be able to take their children and put them in schools that's going to lead them into the biomed fields and other areas. And you know, another good thing out of policy I see that's, that's coming down is that you know from being in the environment that a lot of the personnel, professionals, probably not only in biomedical, but other medical fields, of foreigners who are here working on work visas. Well, the policy now is going to be that you can work here on a work visa, but when it expired, you got to go because we're going to replace you with Americans. And how many times have we heard black folks say that, well, I trained such and such son, and he ended up with my job, and I got laid off. And that is a reality. But, no, I think that's a good thing. And, you know, another thing you mentioned, too, about sickle cell anemia. Yes, your background in biomedical can lead you into the area of discovering specific concerns of your community. Uh, I know uh, two gentlemen, one's a Ghanaian and an African-American. They've been working for the last several years on a cure for pancreatic cancer. They're at the point where they're going into medical trials with animals, and of course, then on with humans. So wow. what you're – see how all this connects and leads into very, very, very good and prosperous areas. So I uh, just wanted to add that. Appreciate no, thank you. Thank you for your three cents always. Uh, absolutely. I think it's a perfect segue um, to move into um, some of the work. You know, you, want to, you know, you were talking about that. So let's hear about that work and, you know, what you hope that future includes and, you know, what it means for you career-wise. We can kind of start. We've got a couple minutes before break, but you can kind of go ahead and get started. We'll go to break and finish with the last segment going into your future. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, so I'm studying, and I should say before, both of my uh, research advisors are black men. I think I got really lucky. It's very rare that you see oh, wow. that, right, in, in a PhD. Yeah, yeah. So I've actually come from a pipeline of having – black mentors that have really supported me. Um, and I wish I would have had more opportunities for, for there to be black women professors that I could interact with. But unfortunately in this field, there weren't a ton of black women professors and, you know, there's, there's a number of reasons why, but um, 
Yeah, so I'm studying how sickle cell disease can actually cause issues throughout the body and including in the brain. So basically, in sickle cell disease throughout the body, you have like a heightened inflammation, which can cause damage to various tissues. One of those tissues is the brain, which is causing changes in cognition, theoretically. Um, so we're studying why that might happen and how we could prevent it. Um, and specifically, okay. we're, so, so, uh, let me see if I understand it. I'll go ahead. No, please, please finish. Please finish. Yeah, I was just going to say we're, we actually have a model of social stress. So this is modeling, you know, because people who are affected by sickle cell disease are people closely related to the African diaspora. There are a lot of social stresses mm -hmm. that go on, including forms of oppression and things like that. Um, so we have a model of social stress that, that we have these mice undergo. And when we're looking at the changes in their brain as it results to having undergone social stress. Man, it sounds so intriguing, man. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I have no clue when you say we're looking at their brains. Like, that sounds extremely, extremely fascinating. Um, you know, if I could say yeah. so myself again. Not, you know, I'm a philosopher. So I'm, I'm definitely into words, which is unique. You know, how I found you. I actually found you in a poetry event, if I could mention that. They were about to go to right. So I'm just like, how does this brother do poetry and about man? Is there, I'm, I'm thinking these two sides of the brain don't go together, King. So you are definitely <laughs> a dynamic brother, and I'm appreciating, you know, what, you know, just the conversation we're having at this point. Let me go to our last break, and we'll finish up our last segment when we come back. Thanks. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think we'll be right back. LNG Technology Services. We are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technology is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you have a product or a service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, again, please contact me directly, 404-604-9477. Find me on Facebook and inbox me of great advertising pricing. Uh, reality for truth seekers that are out there listening, that I'm very appreciative of my sponsor, but the reality is such as we are keeping this minimal intelligent radio on the air as well as the events that we do in Atlanta that we hope to spread around the country. We need your support. We ask that you also go to mentaldialogue.com and seriously become a supporter to keep intelligent radio on the air. I know plenty of people who grew up with radio in the car and supported by commercials. Um, the environment is completely different. Um, this is something I find, I hope that y'all find valuable too. 
uh, our community, if you believe in it, become more than a listener, become a supporter. Um, you can donate any amount, $1 a month, $2 a month is what we look for for the people outside of Atlanta. If you go to the page, you'll see the $5 supporter level, which we'd be even more appreciative of, but we are asking for you to, you know, go click, mental dialogue, let it come out automatically. You're not going to miss a dollar or two a month. We do need the support. But, you know, and, you know, just putting it out there sincerely for those who've been surviving for three years, and I definitely want to move from surviving to thriving, and, and, and your help, you can help us with that. Second, our guest, Brother Julian Rose, studying for his doctorate in biomedical engineering. Again, I've been um, loving um, this conversation with you, King, and, and, and your specific um, research. Sounds like it is, you know, definitely needed. And as you mentioned, if anybody's just now tuning in, the idea of having us going to these career fields turns into the opportunity to have things that affect our community researched in detail. Again, it becomes natural because you have that natural care for the community. So you wanted to go specifically in this area um, to see can you help. So it's a beautiful thing. And with that said, again, you're in the process of your doctorate, and this is an area that you, again, are studying and want to see some results in. What does your future look like in this area? Again, it's just me to get even just a, a, just a layman's understanding of someone that takes your path. Um, do you end up, you know, working in a research lab, or do you have other explorations? You know, what could your career path look like for somebody who's about to complete their doctorate in biomedical engineering? Right, yeah. So as you can imagine, my goals are definitely diverse, um, and I, I plan to accomplish all of them. So so one of the things I definitely want to do is I want to do research in a lab. Um, I know that African Americans are disproportionately affected by Alzheimer's disease. My grandfather and, and my mom's entire side of the family, they have a lot of neurological issues. And so I want to apply tissue engineering to try to regenerate brain tissues in research. So that's one facet of my career that I'm, I'm hoping to accomplish, and, and, and it seems like based on my trajectory, I should get there. I also want to get involved mm-hmm. in educational policy so I can make it an actual policy in the country that these STEM programs are actually accessible to folks who are pushed out of these fields like uh, black people and other minorities. Um, and I also need to conv- continue my community activism. Um, that needs to be a pillar of what I'm doing. And I'm still, like, figuring out a way to tie that into everything. Obviously, through, like, the public mm-hmm. health aspect of my research is going to be involved. But um, I'm very passionate about right. making sure women have rights specifically, um, specifically our black women. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to, to carve out a path to that as well. I got you. And, you know, let me and let me just say this, and I'm, I mean, I probably won't be the first or only person to say it to you. Um, um, you know, even those first two career paths, you know, again, in accomplishing those goals. Just let me just, you know, I just want to say this to you, and again, not to take you out of your passion, but just know that that is enough, King. If I could just kind of say that to you, um, you know, again, just being older, you know, older, older, you know what I mean. Um, and I'm saying it from this specific understanding. It goes back to when I was talking about the flip side of us as a community understanding career paths like yours. And and we talked about the lack of understanding partly, you know, like I said, from my lack of not having done it, as well as, as you said, maybe academia could do a better job of conveying what's happening, right? So, you know, again, with that gap going unfulfilled, um, I always 
uh, encourage uh, my friends who are taking these, uh, I'll call them lone wolf paths. Um, you know, again, you know, I mean, really, really, that's what it ends up being quite often when it comes to it from a cultural standpoint. Again, you have to find, you know, make relationships and friends on the plane that you're on. And, again, a lot of times that can be people who, who look very different from you and I. That's needed, so I don't have a problem yeah. with that. Again, but but from a that 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 longing for a cultural cultural connection, um, I, I I applaud and encourage and say, hey, sometimes the accomplishment is enough. The accomplishment of you know, like say, getting the doctorate, you know, saying representing the field and being the best that you can specifically in the field is enough. If I can, you know, have you on the show and say, hey, here's Julian Rose, and then your accomplishment and this doctor. Through the Julian Rose, that can be the inspiration for the next generation. So, not to again, not to take you out of your passion, but don't ever lose sight of the path you've taken, and just the items you have concern for our community is enough. I want you to always yeah, know you. that your concern is enough because you do have peers, some peers, not many that look like you, that will never have that concern. That's the, that's when it becomes a real issue for the community because our need is so great, right? So for somebody to do yes. it and have no concern, it ends up hurting us. Now, I still don't waste time ostracizing them either. That's a waste of time from the community perspective. The community, unfortunately, is quick to do that. The community can be quick mm-hmm. to ostracize those who don't concern and ostracize people like yourself who have concern just because their opinion is your actions don't seem to be concerning, right? Don't yeah. waste time with, with the community if we ever get in that space. Never forget that we're in that space. Again, you've already said it, but I just want you to never forget it. We're in that space for lack of never traveled your path. As long as you have concern you. for us, your decisions will always be enough. I had to say this to a friend about two months ago, and I want to give it to you early. He's he's older than you. You're younger. So getting this information now will serve you, in my personal opinion, if I can say that. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. No, I appreciate you saying that. Um, and my parents actually say the same thing because they worry about me uh, spreading myself too thin and things like that or not being focused. But I, I really do feel like um, – because of the leadership development that I've gotten and uh, my ability to connect with people, I think part of part of my calling is activism and community organizing. Um, and I also feel as though with the way that the issues present themselves to me in my life, I feel like in some senses I've been kind of chosen to, 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 to push that ball forward. Almost. I love it. And um and I don't think yeah, it's definitely. enough black men I don't think it's enough black men showing up for black women in general. Um and I and I also don't think that there's a war per se, but I do realize that um our community does need a lot of healing as well. Um and I think organizing can facilitate that healing so that we could show up better for each other. Um so that's that's really my goal nah. in, in terms of the, the organizing. Nah, nah, stuff. Fair enough. No, fair enough. Again, yeah, and I, I respect, I love the fact that you recognize that sense of being chosen or whatever, quite often admire people who can transverse different paths um, that, 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 are, that seem to be, like, how did this person even have time for this? You know, we, we admire those, that type of leadership. We need more of you and definitely yeah. respect that. So, again, 
definitely not said to discourage you, to tell you not to do those things. I just don't want you to ever forget if it ever feels like you're not doing enough. Don't ever don't don't ever forget that you are. That was really you know my most important concern. You know in reference. Right. Also would encourage you um, to become a a regular listener. Go back and look at, listen to some of the old shows. So based on a few things I've heard you say um, throughout this this hour, uh, we're definitely constantly dialoguing on the nuance of those things that you seem to have concern about within our community. So definitely would encourage you to, you know, to, in a sense, take advantage of the content that we already have that pushes the envelope, in my opinion, in the way that um, I think we would agree in, in pushing forward that connection. Because, um, you know, yes. we, in a sense, use that term, you know, war. And, uh, again, I'm assuming you're referring to the quote-unquote gender war that's, you know, that seems to be getting pushed and is very not needed in our community. And and, and yes. the sad part is it's, 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 it's getting pushed to where it appears to be more prevalent than it actually is. And what I mean by actually is, is just from the standpoint that actually more of us do good by one another than we realize, but you're not hearing that. Um, but I will mm-hmm. agree that that sentiment is growing and it becomes even more dangerous um, for our community. So, you know, again, you know, that push, in a sense, as I hear you speak to the protection of our, our women, I applaud that. Um, I stand by that. And I'll end up sending you, you know, some specific podcasts in reference to that. Yes, please do. I think, you know, can help you, you know, help you in a sense with that. Um, but speaking of, you know, whether it be your activism or your career, uh, we had a few more minutes with you, so well, I want to go ahead and start this just in case there's, um, if there's anything that you're involved with that you would like to share with the public. And if not, not a problem, but I want to go ahead and give you an opportunity to kind of speak to, um, if you know, if you are in a situation where people can follow you or, or if you want that or whatever, just make that known at this time. Go ahead, Ken. Well, yeah, I'm I'm struggling to come up with something immediately in my head right now. Uh, yeah, you may I not have nothing, but again, um, I just wanted to make sure I opened the door for that. If you did, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not necessary. Just making sure. I recently did attend a session about um, women's imprisonment, and I I believe they're turning uh, the prison that used to be out in East Point into a community center, which has like been a beautiful project. But I know they need support for that. Oh wow! Um, so I'll, I'll do some research and I'll send send that over for you, so you can share that with your listeners mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, no, yeah, and I'll plug my social media because I'm always sharing stuff on there. Uh, and so on Twitter and Instagram, it's Julian Akil Rose. So J-U-L-I-A-N-A-K-I-L-R-O-S-E. That's where you can find me on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I, I, I post about a lot of these things that I've been talking about today, whether it's science or activism, post about hip-hop a lot, um, poetry, just a wide range of things. So. Uh, definitely connect with me that way, and 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 I really appreciate you bringing me on today. I I think this has been a great experience, and I really love what you're doing with this uh, with this show. So, no, I appreciate you, man. We got a out of the two speakers out there. We got a real life Renaissance man on, on our hands. Julian Rose, keep, you know, hey, follow man, him, keep watch. He's going to do some great things. <laughs> nah, keep keep things, you know, moving forward in the future. Somebody we can continue to highlight and put it forward, and you know, for our youth to see. And be like, you know, if we for auto, you know, again, when I say make them the new NFL, the new NBA, um, you know, I don't fault our children for wanting to be those things. That's what they see. So anytime that we can make an effort and have a platform to help them see and be exposed to people like yourself, it will inspire some of our youth to, to say, well, I, I want to be like him. 
or, you know, or whatever. And so these are things that have to be and need to be applauded. And um, so, you know, that's when I take advantage of this platform to do so. Again, encourage anybody yeah. out there listening. I hope you all have enjoyed these. Yeah, go ahead, King. You got something else? Go ahead. Yeah, just one last thing real quick. I would just say it, it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other either. Like, I don't have any issue with sports. I, I played uh, I played soccer my entire life. I was recruited to D1 teams I could have played in college. My dad my dad pushed me not to. He was like, you're not going to have time with all your, like, engineering labs and stuff like that, which was probably good advice. But I'm just saying, like, you know, you could pursue those things. I had engineering friends that were, like, on the football team at UConn and things like that. So you like? No, absolutely. I, I, I would never tell you. Like, yeah, yeah, we had, the, we had, we had the Owl King, but um, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, Brother Piaki who called you. His son has a D1 scholarship at LSU while pursuing his engineering degree. So I definitely Beautiful. don't mean it as an either or. As much as I'm pushing more of us to go into those, un, you know, that unfulfilled percentage of us that's not involved. That's where my push yes. is. But I yes. definitely don't want it to, you know, come off. Sometimes maybe it does come off as an either or, but that's definitely not my intention. But thank you for being right. with us, King. And if you will, um, I'm going to send you, again, a couple of shows. I'm going to send you um, our meetup because I would love to, you know, have you come out to some of our events. We did a financial literacy event last night. Definitely about to give you a head start in in that area, um, you know, yeah. in, in a sense. Because, you know, you're going to make the money, so let's make sure you keep it, if that makes sense. But thanks a lot for being with right. us, King. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. Have a great one. Absolutely. All I ask is that you think. See y'all next Saturday.